the revolution will not be televised, but it is being digitized right here on Digital Village. Hi, this is Rick Allen. And I'm Leilani Albano. On Digital Village, we're bringing you stories about the Internet and technology and how they're shaping culture, along with every other aspect of our lives. The digital revolution is indeed awe-inspiring, but can also be used for nefarious purposes. We're here to help prevent some of those abuses. You can hear us archived on kpfk.org. And digitalvillage.org. So, on with the show. Hi, this is Rick Allen, and I'm speaking with Tyler Sandness. He's the Rideshare Drivers United representative for the state of California. Hi, Tyler. Mm -hmm. Um, I noticed that uh, the AFL-CIO is in town at the Bonaventure Hotel March 31st, and I know we talked before about uh, you maybe getting some help from larger unions so we're not directly engaged with the AFL-CIO, so we're we're not invited to that meeting. But honestly, we, we really do hope that the AFL-CIO takes the issues that we have very seriously. Um, gig work really is the future of work, and it's really going to be up to established labor institutions like the AFL-CIO, like SEIU, to really keep the line with protecting employment rights for everybody. Um, and ensuring that uh, that an honest day's work in the 21st century still comes with the same protections that 100 years' worth of labor fighting has secured for workers. Right. Now, what would stop uh, the larger labor unions from doing that? So I do believe that part of it is that Uber is trying to find ways to divide labor. Um, they are very interested in protecting their third-category status business model, which compromises on things like minimum wage, sick time, benefits. Basically, a 100 years' worth of labor fighting, uh, Uber is really trying to reverse for a workforce that they don't want to have any loyalty or any kind of protections. And they are looking for opportunities to split labor on that issue. So that that's some of the things that we're concerned with, and it's why the AFL-CIO needs to really hold to its guns on this issue of employment versus independent contractor status, because as more industries are looking at what Lyft and Uber are doing, the more likely that model is going to be adopted, such as in healthcare, where we're already seeing nurses being switched over to independent contractor status, or grocery store chains, which have been traditionally unionized but are now axing their delivery departments uh, to go into app uh, into app services like uh, DoorDash or Instacart. Now, does it make you feel better that there seems to be a renewal in uh, unions uh, across the country, such as with Starbucks and Amazon? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I I really do hope that this is a turning point in recent history where Americans can really see that that they haven't had power and they haven't had power for a long time and that unionizing is a way to get some of that power back to bring about a more equal or uh, equitable society, one in which the profits they generate, you know, come back to them in one way or another, whether that's through improved wages or whether that's through benefits that help provide for a stable lifestyle for everybody. Now, we also talked uh, last year about Prop 22. 
What has happened since we spoke last about Prop 22 and the repercussions? Yeah, so I don't know if the last time we spoke was before the lower court's decision, but in August of last year, SEIU's lawsuits basically resulted in a judgment where Prop 22 was deemed to be unconstitutional under California's constitution. And I do believe that some of the elements around that was specifically that it was robbing the legislature of their constitutional duty to regulate the economy. So it has put the law under some increased scrutiny about whether or not this is something that can operate in California. As we know now, it's it's on its way to an appeals board where they will make a decision. But we also fully anticipate that this is likely to go to the California Supreme Court before it's all over. And we're hopeful that this court, which kind of kick-started this whole saga to begin with, with the Dynamex case a few years back, will also find that the independent contractor status uh, third category that Prop 22 is detailing is bad for workers, bad for the state, um, robs the legislature of its ability to do its job, and, and is null and void and giving drivers their rights back, which which we had under AB5 before Prop 22 went into effect. Right. Do you want to uh, tell listeners about that decision? Dynamics led to a, a lot of what is going on now, and I just want a, mm-hmm. a little thumbnail to remind listeners what that was about. Oh, absolutely. So Dynamex was a decision that was 10 years in the making um, when it finally was delivered, and I believe 2017 or 2018. And basically, just the short of it, was this confrontation between whether or not workers were independent contractors or if they were employees based off of how a company was directing their work and how much real independence and entrepreneurial potential those workers had. Um, The court arrived at the decision that those workers were actually employees, that the way that they were being directed to work, the way that they were constrained by their employer, the way that they were dependent upon their income on their employer, made it clear that this was a employer-employee relationship. And in doing so, it really shined a light onto the gig economy as a whole and really called into question the, in the, the truth of whether or not people were independent contractors if they're being guided by an algorithm that really controls their ability to make money and if they're subjected to rules and policies that are being foisted upon them by their employer. Well, Uber and Lyft, uh, one of the arguments um, that they gave was that you gig workers get to choose your own hours. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you can decide when you want to drive. Of course, yeah. since the pandemic, we've noticed a lot of people are working from mm-hmm. home, and they yeah. are working their own hours, so to speak, yeah. as long as they do what they said they were going to do. Uh, mm-hmm. That should put a dent in the rideshare company's uh, arguments. Well, it's always been a faulty argument. Um, there's nothing in employment law that says that an employee has to have a set schedule. We mm-hmm. simply accepted it because that was the traditional paradigm of work through most of the 20th century. But one of the attractive things about gig work was always that it, it was able to give people a chance to live their lives according to their own schedule. And, and it was definitely a good opportunity for people that had children at home that they wanted to be there for their kids. 
Um, maybe they had elderly parents or uh, family or friends that were just on disability and really needed to have a caretaker for most of the day. It really gave those people the opportunity to be able to, to kind of make work, kind of work for them. But it's always been a faulty argument to say that uh, if you have a schedule, you're an employee. If you set your own schedule, then you're an independent contractor. Um, again, there's nothing in the legal code that says that you have to have a set schedule as an employee. And as you pointed out, through the pandemic, a lot of businesses have chosen to embrace more flexibility when it comes to people scheduling and, and how they do their job. And again, it really does highlight that there's been really nothing holding the companies back, aside from using flexibility as a threat to workers that, um, oh, well, if you are going to fight for better labor standards, if you're going to fight for more minimum wage, if you're going to fight for a seat at the table, then we'll take away the one thing that we know is valuable to you. And that, that should, you know, keep you quiet and keep you from demanding more than what we decide is appropriate for you. What we want to remind people of is that uh, these uh, employers and employees uh, they're still working under the old system, the not uh, the non-gig worker system, mm -hmm. but they are yeah. considered employees and, mm -hmm. and uh, the ones that are getting to set a lot of their own hours. Mm -hmm. That's right. And we right. were of the opinion that uh, that drivers should always be able to set their own schedules, but that setting your own schedule or having that flexibility should never be a trade-off between being able to, you know, live life the way that you want to, the way that you can kind of be flexible around non-traditional circumstances and still get labor protection, like minimum wage, like overtime, like sick days, like lunch breaks. Flexibility should never come at the expense of 100 years' worth of fighting for labor protections and regulation. I want to talk about that in a minute, and I also want to remind listeners, this is Digital Village. I'm Rick Allen, and we're talking with Tyler Sandness, the Rideshare Drivers United representative for the state of California. You're a Lyft driver, right, Tyler? So I, I was before I uh, work in this full-time position for RDU. So now I work for drivers directly. But uh, before this, I, I did work as a Lyft driver and as a full-time driver. Okay. So I'm wondering how the uh, how the percentages have improved. I, we talked last time about uh, what happened in New York, working with with the taxi drivers union and mm -hmm. and upping the wages to over twenty five dollars an hour. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering, uh, what's it like in California? How have things improved? <laughs> the short answer is that it hasn't. It's it's only gotten worse since Prop Twenty Two went into effect. Um, and I think that what would surprise a lot of listeners is, if you recall back in November of 2020, you saw a lot of advertisements of, like, single mothers taking their kids to school and saying that they work as a driver and they really need to protect their flexibility. And 60% of Californians who voted in that election voted thinking that what they were doing was really supporting drivers. But the reality is the opposite. Prop 22 was all, was never about protecting drivers' ability to earn. It was protecting the business model, which is not invested in individual driver success. It's, it's invested in making sure that Uber and Lyft can report a profit to their investors every quarter. And so what's resulted is that tools that actually made drivers more independent have been stripped away. 
Um, one of the things that Uber took away was the ability to set prices. Before Prop 22 went into effect, Uber gave drivers the ability to set a multiplier. So say that I'm operating in a part of the city, and I can set it to say, look, I am only going to accept a ride that's two or three times the standard fare. And in that way, that driver is actually being independent. They are actually making a choice for what they are willing to work for and not accepting any rides that don't fit that requirement. As soon as Prop 22 was passed and got out the door and went into effect, Uber took that tool away because they no longer needed to prove that drivers were independent anymore. Uh So they started to take those tools away. And what we've seen through the course of the pandemic is that the companies have taken extraordinary shares of the fare, up to 70 to 80% of what the customer pays goes directly to the company, where the driver is left with 25 to 20%. And the driver is expected to cover their insurance, the, the maintenance of the vehicle, and now most critically their gas. There's no indexing for, for drivers. They don't receive more money as gas prices go up. They're expected to cover their gas price off whatever the company deems is worthy to them. And the company has no pressure to increase wages when the price of actually getting those rides go up. They expect the driver to simply eat the squeeze, and it's going to result in a lot of drivers not doing this work anymore. And for there being longer waiting times and more expensive rides, because drivers simply can't make money, and if they can't make money, there's no reason to be out there. That's very interesting because um, uh, a lot of companies, let's say courier companies, they don't give the uh, the amount that uh, that you're allowed to write off uh, with the IRS. It's up to fifty six cents a mile uh, that you can claim on IRS forms, but many courier companies are just, they're lucky to be giving you. Yep. Between 23 and 30 cents. So that's yep. a long ways, <laughs> a long ways off, especially with the gas prices. Absolutely. And, and again, it is resulting in drivers just simply not able to do this work anymore. The wages have gotten worse. If you talk to a driver who's been doing this for a while, like say they, they started back in 2015, they remember a time where you could make 60 or 70 grand doing this. It was hard work, but you could do it. Now you're lucky if you're breaking 30000 to 35000 a year, basically working the same hours. So it's the kind of business where you already make less year after year, and big gas crunches like what we're seeing right now just exacerbate an already existing problem. Do you think it will come to a point where Uber and Lyft have to do something for drivers because they're disappearing off the roads? Well, I I think that they can only, like, their business model has always had a bit of a high turnover. They always are hoping that people kind of stick around with them for maybe a year until they're kind of used up, they realize how bad of a gig it is, and then they move on. Um, The thing is, though, is that there is an infinite number of people in California that are willing to do that, right? You, Right. You can only go through so much of the population that's willing to go along with a bad deal until they simply leave. And we've seen that with Amazon's business model, where they they basically have the same philosophy of someone should only work in their warehouse for like two years, and then they should go somewhere else. Um, Churn, churn, churn. Churn, churn, churn. But again, that's not a sustainable business model. At a certain point, 
you have to consider retention, not only because you're running out of workers that are willing to put up with less, but also because that that generally results in worse customer service. If somebody who's right. running their job and that customers enjoy, um, if they can't stay around in the business for that long because the business is structured in such a way as that it doesn't incentivize people to stay for long, that just generally results in worse service and, and wor- worse drivers being on the road because, you know, quality isn't rewarded. Okay, that's a great point. Uh, let's talk about, um, I thought maybe, uh, we could get something positive. Can you, I, I, you know, <laughs> come on, come on the last year. Um, mm-hmm. how about EDD, uh, the, uh, the Employment yeah. Development Department? Uh, what kind of monetary assistance is coming from that organization? So there hasn't been much news since September of last year when the benefits expired for the majority of Americans. And this was felt by by almost everybody who was facing unemployment. But in retrospect, what occurred in 2020 and 2021 was really extraordinary. Um, For the first time, workers that would have otherwise been denied the ability to access benefits, which they were fully entitled to, actually got them. And the companies fought hard to make sure that, that drivers couldn't get access to it. Um, they fought drivers' attempts to access those programs. But mm-hmm. we're really thankful that EDD, in their wisdom, decided that this was important for the state's economy, that these people be taken care of, that they did get the benefits they needed. And for many drivers, it really was life-saving. And, and we saw it, and unfortunately, we saw it in cases where some people's uh, benefits expired sooner than others, and those folks, some of those folks did result in having to go back on the road to make ends meet, and mm-hmm. the problem with rideshare is that it's a vector for the virus. Right. Um, you have people coming in all the time, anyone could be infected, people may not want to observe mask rules or proper sanitation, but we are very thankful for the program, for what it was able to do for, for so many other drivers to keep them off the road, to keep them safe at home with their families, and to give them that lifeline that was essential for them getting through two really, really difficult years. Okay, well, let's look ahead, Tyler. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is on the agenda? What are you fighting for right now, and what are the prospects? So right now, it's the big fight is to end Prop 22 here in the state of California. And we are doing what we can to support that lawsuit by providing testimony, by by providing evidence about how the companies are not living up to the spirit of the law and how the law is not constitutional. And that's really important because so long as Prop 22 is in place, our rights will be denied. Um, The business model will be given, given priority and individual drivers will be expected to simply subsist off of nothing. So that is our big fight there. We continue to implore the Senate to pass the PRO Act, which would give gig workers like us the right to unionize and would supersede Prop 22. Obviously, the PRO Act is is got a very hard road to get to that place. They they tried to push it last year, but without filibuster reform, it's it's a real long shot. There there just simply isn't 10 Republicans that would be willing to vote on that, despite the benefits that it would give to workers. And we continue to organize. And that's the most important thing here, is that we are continuing to find drivers who want to see the industry better, 
that want to get involved, that want to participate in their democracy and, and have rules in place that really puts them in as a priority, that their livelihood, that they are protected, that they get a fair return for what is fair work and, and a fair investment into into the business. On that plus note, <laughs> I've been speaking uh, with Tyler Sandness, who is uh, Rideshare Drivers United Representative for California and full-time job. And uh, he's fighting for the rights of all workers, basically. Uh, you want to give uh, give listeners a place where they can go help you fight, Silas? A- absolutely. So if anybody out there has got a big heart, wants to stand in solidarity with us, best thing they can do is donate to Rideshare Drivers United, and you can do that at www.drivers-united.org backslash donate. Any amount that you can give, any kind of contribution, uh, goes a long way to helping us uh, fight this big fight and, and, frankly, fight for the future of, of work for everybody. Including getting in touch with your Congress senators mm-hmm. and senators and your state boards, etc., to let them know how you feel. Absolutely. Uh, much appreciated. Okay. Thanks again, Tyler. My pleasure, Rick. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of Digital Village. You can hear us archived on kpfk.org. And digitalvillage.org. Thanks for listening to Digital Village. I'm Rick Allen. I'm Leilani Albano. And we'll see see you online. online.